BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Hello, basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com, always use your head. Thank you, Amber, and we'll keep that between us while Mr. Platt is in Dallas. Anyway, Amber DM'd me this morning, BTW. Oh, lots of goings on. Just let people know. know. I don't got to know about it, everybody. Anyway, that voice you heard was one PC Tunney, the live studio audience himself, is here. I am also joined by my good friend, the lawyer himself, David Ungar, and returning once again because the more he tries to get out, the more we pull him back in. Mr. Aesop Mitchell, welcome back on a semi-permanent basis at this point. I think we should just give up the ghost um, on you, you, you're you're now officially in the Christopher Platt semi-regular range of of the bandwagon nerds family. So welcome into in into the bandwagon, kind of almost full time. Thank you, thank you. I'm I'm glad to be like Christopher Platt, but at least for a good reason. Well. And here's the thing. I, there, there are differences in styles and, and things that can happen uh, with both of you that are distinct and unique and wonderful. You are both unique and special snowflakes, and we sort of love you both. 
Uh, <laughs> but if we love one of you more than the others, we just won't tell that person who it is. Save that for a poll. Right. Yeah. We could, we could, we could Saturday Night Live this thing like Andy Kaufman style. <laughs> pick the pick our our extra. Is it the Platt signal or the violent? Um, I don't even know. We got to come up with a good like ASAP alarm. Not, the ASAP alarm. Yeah, that'll work. The Mitchell mark. Uh, here's here's the thing: is if, if, if PC if PC Tunney hates it, then we know it's good because as everyone knows, the people disagree with PC Tunney. Uh, and for those of you who want to catch things that, you know, PC, the titles, PC Tending Hates, I'm just saying the five by five, great stuff, winning names. We have quite the bandwagon episode for you all today, a news around the Nerdosphere heavy episode. So a lot of headlines, things that happened. We are going to return to a conversation we had last week because I want to reiterate, none of us are seeing Morbius in the theater, I don't think. Uh, I, I've, I've decided I'm not paying money to see this film. But that's not going to stop me from reading the spoiler on the after credit scene and have us all talk about it here on the bandwagon because <laughs> I feel like that is necessary and important. We are also going to start a show review this week as Moon Knight dropped episode one. Very interesting and disorienting all at once. And, and much, much more. I, I'm... I'm stoked. I'm excited. I'm I'm happy to get going on this. And one last thing, fellas, I'm just excited that I, I have technology that doesn't suck again. There's no there's no sound in the background playing. I got a new laptop, and, and you know, thank you to the shout out on DWI while I was texting PT Tony via the over Listen. which which uh, sound mixer to use. Real short att attention span on that show. Real short. Uh, I noticed. Also, uh, as it's WrestleMania weekend, I'm just happy to see that all of your predictions are wrong. Um, it's. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Look at you, like all indignant and stuff. No. Hey, Dave. Quite, quite a few of them have been wrong. I mean, Cody. Cody might back out still. I'm not sure. I mean, you could. <laughs> the number of people that got caught up with that is great. Uh, I. I, I, I kid, I kid. I love you guys. I love you. It's fun. But yeah, let's so yeah, we're we're back to kind of our standard format. And probably the best part about returning to show reviews is that until they stop us, we're gonna continue to play music that we don't own the rights to. That's right, we don't own the rights to this music, but we're gonna cover a Marvel show, so let's hit it. <laughs> That's right, everyone. New Marvel show back on Disney Plus. Moon Knight. We we get our first episode of Moon Knight. Now, Aesop, I don't think you've been on an episode of the bandwagon where we cover an episode by episode show. No. Right. Oh, so well, the we, I might have. Actually, I might have because we did that with um with Witcher. Maybe a couple times. Maybe I wasn't there. I don't know. Well, here, here's what you need to know. The drinking game has changed. So the drinking game during list shows is like when Pat forgets what order 
something is in, you take a drink, you know, basically whenever I mess up. Well, for for show reviews, anytime Patrick O'Dowd forgets the name of a character, drink. So have your have your alcohol ready. I mean, I've got mine. I am scotching it up today because it's WrestleMania weekend. Like I'm six ready to go. Hours till WrestleMania, dude. Well, I got, I got cider you, boys. You're whatever fucking Wisconsin beer drinking. You're sitting there with a beer in hand. I saw it. Well, I've just this is my I have had two, two sips of my first Miller Lite here at one eleven Central Time. Miller Lite really doesn't start. WrestleMania doesn't really start till eight p.m. Eastern. It probably goes till about midnight tonight uh, Eastern. So yeah, I don't like want a ten hour session. Well, what kind of a weak ass drinker are you? I thought you were from Wisconsin. I had an eight-hour session yesterday, guy. Well, I mean, that's cool. That's cool. You do you. Um, anyway, so here we go. Debut. Six, this is a six-episode series, if I'm not mistaken. Six 45-minute episodes yes. for Moon Knight. And to say we hit the ground running is a bit of an understatement. Because, and, and maybe you guys can jump, chime in on this. I love that we've stopped doing sort of origin story episodes or movies, even in the way that it used to be done. Because with this episode, it literally starts in Medias Race, in the middle of the action, where you are introduced to Oscar Isaacs, not Mark Spector. He's not the moon. He's not Moon Knight yet. I've already forgot. It's time to take a drink. What's the other guy's name? Steve or Stephen Grant. Steven. Steven. Don't call him Stevie. Steven. Steven. I didn't said Steven. Or Scotty. Scotty, that too. Scotty doesn't know. Um, and and that's a real it's foreskin. It's not foreskin. It's Stephen Grant. <laughs> um, and, and we get we get introduced to this character. He wakes up chained to a bed. Actually, even before that, we get introduced to Ethan Hawke's character. Uh, doing this weird prayer ritual where he breaks a glass, puts it in his shoes, and, and walks on it because weird, I guess is is for lack of a, like just because weird. And he is, we don't know what his purpose is as he's walking through this temple to kind of introduce like your first glimpse of this character. Then we then we go over to Oscar Isaac and Stephen Grant waking up chained to a bed. Uh, his door has like taped all the light out like he's doing all these weird preparations and his goldfish has one fin and is kind of swimming around in circles he tries to call and talk to his mom he learned that he works in a museum that just so happens to have a huge egyptian uh exhibit that is like the primary focus of this museum in london it's an amalgamation of a couple of london museums and he He's clearly obsessed with the Egyptian mythology and lore. He starts talking to people. His boss is kind of a bitch and really talks Damn down Donna. to him. Yeah, Donna. She's terrible. Uh, and that's and that's the introduction of this guy until you get to that evening where he's, he loses time. And when he goes to sleep, loses time and wakes up in strange locations, or at least he thinks he wakes up in strange locations completely disoriented and not what's going on where the, he then hears a voice in his head talking to him as if he is this other sort of strange separate entity. And yeah, there, it's, it's a very disorienting episode. I think by, you know, intentionally, I think that's part of 
that's the origin in this in this series is this idea that Stephen doesn't really know what his like what the hell is going on. He has dissociative personality disorder, so there's going to be you know we and we know this if you know this coming in like you know Mark Spector is another identity of his dwelling in his brain, and of course then there's this Egyptian god, um, Dave. We'll go to Dave. We'll go to Dave Ungar, the lawyer. Your sort of initial thoughts and reactions to first episode of Moon Knight. Uh, Batshit crazy would sum up some of it. That's for sure. It, it's it's um. <laughs> my wife and I watched it, and you gotta. I think she was right. You know, she's like, I feel so bad for this guy and what he's going through, and just to, you know, how whatever's inside of him is playing turmoil with him but you know as far as the introductory episode and roping you in and getting your attention and getting you interested sure i mean i thought that the first episode did a good job of that kind of creating this character that you're you're trying to kind of get an idea of you know okay what what is moon knight all about because you know most of us have read some moon knight i don't think any of us qualify as moon knight experts i haven't read a ton of it um so i'm genuinely curious to see you know okay how are they bringing mark specter into this um you know what exactly is going on you know it's kind of doesn't isn't this disassociative amnesia that he's got the same thing like jason Bourne had in (laughs) in the Bourne titles kind of just self-imposed amnesia on himself um it's interesting you know he hides away a phone that's hidden in his wall for months and months and months and who's the girl layla is that lila Somebody's calling him like 34 times or something. Layla. Layla. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's cool. I, I love the part how when the great chase scene going on and when uh, Moon Knight takes over his personality, he, you know, the, the screen shakes and he changes out and then he comes back and whatever Moon Knight's done is already done. So you don't actually see what happens. You just see the after effect. And I thought that was really well done. And kind of cool. So, yeah, I I love the first episode. I, I, you know, you don't, it's like a lot of these Marvel shows that you don't, it's the first episodes. You don't know everything that's going on and you can't really get a whole feel of exactly what's happening, but they do enough to rope you in and say, oh, I'll definitely be here next week. So, yeah, really good first episode. We'll go to Aesop next because the way I'm going to handle Tony is he said he had questions. We're just going to let him ask them. All right. No, not well, even being mean about it. I'm not even trying to be mean. Like, why are you getting all offended? So I'm not. I'm joking. <laughs> he, saw, he's seen, he, he, like, clutched his pearls, everybody. Like, oh, I well, was. <laughs> oh, 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 how can he call me out like that? So I, I don't know how much everyone knows about Moon Knight. Um, I, I'm going to say it right now. Moon Knight, for, like, the past... I had like a uh, a major run for about five years uh, over the past decade where he was the best comic book series around. It like was unquestionable. Uh, And again, a lot of people didn't realize it because it's it's Moon Knight. Right. Um, Mark Spector is Moon Knight. Stephen Grant is one of his different personalities and identities. Okay. Uh, so I think that's a great misdirection that they sort of did in this first episode, which more or less just got drawn out to an extended teaser trailer in a in a way. 
And I loved that. You got so many bits and pieces. You you saw the names in the phone uh, at the end, like one of them being uh, Duchamp, who is um, a uh, a mercenary member, or I should say a, a military member that Mark Spector had um, in Egypt uh, when he was doing something or somewhere around there, Middle East. So the way that they played out this story where like you were definitely setting up uh, people thinking that Mark Spector is one of the dissociative identities that he has. Stephen Grant is, is Moon Knight. Nope. Like it is going to be a great sort of 180 for everyone. Once they kind of realize this, sorry to spoil it for you, but I've been told many a time that bandwagon nerds is not spoiler free. So sorry to ruin it. Well, and not, and not spoiler free in the sense that we're going to tell you everything about an episode or a movie that we watch you speculating on what it is or what it could be like, we could still say, ah, he was just speculating because we don't, we don't, Marvel, if there's one thing Marvel does, and I think we've all agreed with this, Marvel embrace, like the MCU embraces the comics and what we know from the comics and our background and our understanding, they don't always follow. Uh, no, and, and they play they that up. They're not afraid to go in a different direction. It's a different multiverse. And, and you know what? Right. It's so simple to answer it that way. Um, and I, again, I am looking forward to this series. I think it's only going to get better as you go along. I understand the trepidation based off the first episode, but like I said, it's it's more or less a teaser trailer. It's 45 minutes well, of setting up the you, story. You say you say trepidation. What do you mean by trepidation? Like, I haven't seen anything trepidation other trepidations other than we don't know this character. Why should we like it? Or why should there, we care? A lot of people are saying what a slow burn it's been, uh, a slow burn of an oh episode. Hey, look, I realize, oh. but this is this is the U.S. man. We want instant gratification here. And those and, sound like AEW fans who were flipping off Cody Rhodes on Saturday at WrestleMania. Like, what are you talking about? Speaking Stop. of spoilers, Patrick. <laughs> and, but that's that's more time, or less what happened. This is airing on a Monday. There is no spoiler there. That's fair. Uh, and. I, I, I'm a little nervous myself only because now more or less, we're going to tell the story of Moon Knight in five episodes. And to me, the best Marvel series that we got was WandaVision, which was nine episodes. And it has only gone, I say downhill, but it's, you know, not bad, bad, but the less episodes, the worse. I I would say up and down. I think that... There's been there's been series, and this was the same problem that I had with the Netflix Marvel series. Sometimes, like, it's tricky. Limited series are tricky, and finding that wheelhouse as to what's going to be the 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 sweet spot to tell a good narrative that builds on itself and keeps the audience engaged versus something either feeling rushed. Or dragging. Daredevil season one is one of my favorite examples of this. The middle of the first season of Daredevil drags like crazy because the series is about three episodes too long. And I think Netflix was in the family of like 12, 12 episode limited series. So maybe nine was the magic number there. I, I'll be interested to see how it plays out with Moon Knight. Because yeah, it's moving. If it if it has to move fast and rush, a la, I felt like Hawkeye was a little rushed. Uh, on some level yeah um so i could i could see that like it felt like 
Hawkeye had so many narrative threads and so many characters that that when they got to some of the big reveals in the back end of the series, some of those initial threads got lost. I still feel like to this day, I feel like they did echo dirty um, because I feel like her, her story got lost in the shuffle. So I'll be intrigued. It also just depends on how many, how many threads are out there, by the way, can't believe we've gone this far into the show. We're 18 minutes into the show and we haven't, and I don't know, 10 minutes covering Moon Knight. F. Murray Abraham is the voice of, I don't even know which Egyptian god he's Khonshu. supposed to be. Khonshu. Khonshu. Yeah. All right. Is that a drink? Just, you forgot his name? That's a drink. Yeah, I forgot his name. You can take a drink. See, I love that Aesop's actually going to play the game. Hell yeah, everybody. Dave, if you drink the water right now, I swear to God, you're out. We've been, pl- we've been playing the game for over two years, Pat. So, you know, Aesop's got some shit to make up. Tony and I have been playing this a long time. By the oh, way, Triple Aesop, H, we've just, been playing the game so long. Um, but yeah, F. Murray Abraham. Is, is there a better voice to play a disembodied Egyptian voice, God voice? I don't, I don't know. Only James Earl Jones would be better, but... You know. No, that's Darth Vader. You can't do that. You, James Earl Jones is Darth Vader and Mufasa. That's it. Arlie Ermy. <laughs> Maybe. Tony, you said you hey. had questions. So, uh, well, some of them have been answered, but I got a few all right, more. So, uh, all right, throw are, some are we going to see any of... I thought there was more than just the couple personalities. Isn't there like three or four more? Yeah. Uh, Jake Lockley and uh, Mr. Knight. Okay. So I wonder if we're going to see any of those. And then is is this setting him up to be a character in another movie down the road? What do you see this transpiring into? That's a terrific question. Oh, I know. Um, and, and, well, as you probably had breakfast this morning and read your rundown, right? I did. I did. It, so it did the, sub-bullet, the sub-bullet that I put under here is the magic question here. So what, we've, what we know in terms of Moon Knight itself is allegedly it takes place in the future. Now, how far in the future from like some of the other like multiverse going ons and all that, they haven't said they don't know. There's no question, but I think that was very intentional because it allows for moon Knight to kind of just be injected wherever they want to, uh, because he's in the future. So like that's down the road. We don't have to worry about that, but it does lead to this other question. Reports are out there that Oscar Isaac's contract with Marvel was only for this one season in this one series. So, Let's play a little insider baseball. Is it really only going to be one series? Is it really only going to be this contract? Or do we think that, that something will come down the road? Aesop, I'll start with you. Actually, Tony, you look like you're about to speak. I won't cut you off. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Aesop, you can start if you want. Um, I don't know. I'm also looking at it in the sense of how does Moon Knight fit into a greater universe? especially with his uh, dissociative identity disorder. And I don't know how you properly fit that in, especially if the rumors are to be true that they are going more cosmic, uh, you know, like um, cosmic multiverse sort of deal in the next sort of uh, crossing of the Marvel properties. I guess you could do it with, with the idea of Khonshu and stuff like that, but I mean, you're not going to be able to get all the personalities of Mark Spector in, involved, at least not to the extent that you would be happy with. And if that's such a main portion, you know, how do you bring in Moon Knight effectively? Uh, so I, I would venture to say this might be the end. 
outside of maybe a second run of Moon Knight. But, you know, Marvel has proved us wrong many a time, and this could easily be uh, a nice, again, sort of uh, trick for us to kind of, you know, get us off their trail. Maybe Dave, what do you think? I would be very surprised if this isn't tied into uh, something somewhere because Marvel just doesn't do that. You know, you know, solo runs of stuff that's just out there standing, you know, you know, on its own, a standalone sort of thing. So I I would think that this is going to tie in somewhere. Um, The MCU's timeline and their chronology is very interesting because it certainly does not follow uh, like when stuff is released, you know, stuff is released. That's not it's like, yeah, like Captain America is the very beginning of the MCU timeline, even though, you know, it came out like the fourth movie, that sort of thing. Um, but I I would say that the notion of Oscar Isaac saying, you know, well, I, I didn't take this long term thing is more a, a a reflection on the fact that, you know, Disney and Marvel may not be sure how people react to Moon Knight and they're kind of hedging their bet. I think you'll see stuff like She-Hulk's going to be the same way. And, and there's rumors that there's problems with that show. Uh, Miss Marvel's probably the same way where we're not going to give long-term deals because we don't want to lock ourselves in any more than you guys want to. Um, let's see how the audience reacts to this character before we take it further. I, I got a question for Aesop, though, because he knows more about Moon Knight than I do. What Are there any groups out there that haven't been introduced that... Oh, whoa, whoa, don't steal my thunder because I got something to put out there. Don't be doing that shit. No questions for Aesop. Ask the panel, sir. The panel. Well, the panel, then. You're not a Moon Knight expert, either. Aesop seems to be more versed in this than us, which, you know, is all right. Sure. I mean, it just means that he has not left his basement as much as we have. I get it. Well, uh, he he yeah. leaves his base. He leaves his basement to wrestle and apparently hang out with Seamus yeah. uh, based but, on his look today. But the question is, but, um, who are, are there groups out there who Moon Knight's been affiliated with that we haven't seen yet that lends itself to a movie? Could it be Multiverse of Madness or something like that? Let's let's walk away with this. You're, you're falling into the trap you often do, Dave, where you are thinking only in terms of the groups you've seen them together with in comics. There is a there is a certain Netflix series that just came under the ownership of DC or not DC Disney, not DC. Wow. DC, Ooh. that'd be pretty I, neat, man. Then you get all those crossover series you've been hoping for. Oh, uh, what about the Defenders? What about a Marvel Knights sort of direction if they wanted to do it. Because that, which they're pushing, okay, we've got these series now. And, and I don't know that they're, they're not putting those into the continuity uh, in any way, shape, or form. But if they rebooted the Mar- rebooted Marvel Knights and rebooted the Defenders, Moon Knight, make, Moon Knight makes a lot of sense with the Defenders, in my opinion. That would be my that would be my push. Or could they be bringing well, in a Shadowlands sort of thing as well? You know, you got Daredevil. Could bring in Elektra. Bring in who? White Tiger would be part of that group. That sort of thing. How many times are we gonna kill? How many times are we gonna kill Elektra, y'all? <laughs> Please, as many times as we need to. She's the to Kenny. Never see her She's again. the Kenny of the MCU. Uh, the one that I was thinking of initially, especially once um, I had heard rumors of Ghost Rider. Uh, being involved in uh, Multiverse's Madness is Midnight Suns. Because uh, we have Blade, we have Doctor Strange, we have Ghost Rider, Moon Knight, and Punisher is now kind of being reestablished as well. Those are all former members of the Midnight Suns. Not to mention, I believe they are pushing forward a game in the Marvel 
uh, as well called Marvel Midnight Suns or something along that line. Yeah, you're right. You know, you know what I mean? Pat, you posted seems... something about that, didn't you? A few months. I back. did. Like, God, that was yeah. It's damn near a year ago. They were trying to put together footage for that. I, I mean, that seems very, uh, very coincidental. If you know, if not, so how, how if there's convenient. ever a group. Yeah, right. I, I mean, come on, right. and especially with uh, with the upcoming stuff that we have, you know, as I named them off, if there's going to be a group that you know kind of forms, it's going to be Marvel Midnight Suns, I think. Right. I think that's a I think that's a fair a fair guess as well. More questions, Tony. What else you got for us? Because after you know questions, gonna, we're going to move into commercial break. I was just going to answer your question about if oh, Oscar Isaac would come back, uh, since we kind of oh, didn't yes, get to that. I would imagine that if they want to continue with the character that they are developing here in the series, moving forward in a movie, that's who they would go with. They're not going to mix it up. So it's really not whether or not he wants to do it or they want him to do it. It's whether or not they're going to use that moving forward, I would say. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think that a good wait and see approach, because it is such a you kind of got to be with it as an audience, right? Like you got to buy in. and And this is one. This is a risk. I think that one of the great things about the Disney Plus limited run series is that it does create freedom to take risks with characters. What if his character ends up being a big part of the next season of What If and it turns into an animation it's thing true. where they don't always have the same person? You know, they, they can have different plans for this character. Right. Yeah, I think I think everything's on the table. I think that is an excellent, excellent point. So first episode in the bag five to go and i'm here for it i don't know how you guys are feeling about it but i am i am 100 in i'm here for it tony's a little on tony's still like letting marinate a little bit and that's okay Gr- so one last thing more. shout yep. that was a great uh wrap up to the episode too of moon knight just kicking the shit out of some okay. egyptian anubis deity and, thing, ha- and, and doing the turn and also having it being terrified of them because that the the dog creature itself was pretty pretty horrifying, yeah. right? That was a good good uh, CGI. Can we talk about? I, I guess no, we won't go to commercial just yet. This is a a fun trend that like we're getting out of the next couple of releases from Marvel is we're in a little bit more of a horror element because Multiverse of Madness they have talked about is going to be. More steeped in horror, and of course, Sam Raimi is, uh, uh, you know, is got became famous for directing horror films. So, and they said that about Moon Knight. They were like, "This is going to be dark. It's going to be. It's going to have elements of horror." So that's really, really good. My last question, and this is one I meant to ask and forgot to, so I'm going to bring it back. So, drink. Are gods now in the MCU, or are we going to explain it away the way we did the Asgardians? That is a good question. You know what, though? Doctor Strange is so mixed in the idea of religious figures. I think they're more or less in. Uh, And I fuck, man, that is that is a good question. You know, whether or not they get midichlorianed is a whole different story. But uh, I, I think. I think it's safe to say that they are, especially with the idea of pushing uh, Arthur Harrow, Ethan, Ethan Hawke's character and the cult itself. Um, yes. You know, seeing what was it, uh, Amet, um, you just got to believe that this is more of a 
deity-esque figure than it is, you know, some space alien. <laughs> right. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. I, I'll be intrigued to see kind of where it goes and where it wraps up myself. Uh, Dave, any last thoughts? Um, On the God issue? What do you want to see? Well, or just what do you want to see moving forward with Moon Knight? Or are you in a let it marinate phase before no, we get no, into our I, first commercial break? I already told you, like, I'm like you. I'm here for it. I, I think that gods are, are in the MCU in some form or fashion. Like, you mentioned the Asgardians. So we saw Odin, Hela, whatever. No, the Asgardians, As- not the Asgardians. Asgardians. I'll call them what I want, damn it. No. Uh, but I think the, uh, yeah, I think I think there's, you know, fair. Uh, that's fair to say that there's some otherworldly deities roaming around the mcu at this point in time but i yeah i'm i'm really interested to see where they go with this i'm curious to see if they do tie it into anything that's existing or on the horizon um so um yeah i'm, I'm here for it it looks like it's going to be a fun ride a wild ride it's, it's a character who you know i it, people have been comparing it to batman forever now and that's really lofty expectations to place on a series no, it's like not this. batman People need to stop comparing it to Batman. He's not Batman. I know that. Batman. No, no. You, you. But you brought it up again, man. You're killing me, Smalls. He's not Batman. Yeah, I'm not saying he's yeah, closer people... to Shazam than he is to Batman. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, that's absolutely apropos. I'm not the like, one making the comparison. Batman. I'm just saying that's what people have said for so long, and that's an unfair. Well, they're wrong. It's an unfair burden to put on this series, is what I'm saying. Wrong, 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 wrong. I get a new computer wrong, and look wrong, at him, just wrong. argumentative all day, man. They're wrong. Patrick, They're wrong. I, think, I don't think the computer clock. <laughs> we're going to take our commercial break now on that wrongness. When we come back, we're going to do some news around the nerdosphere. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network here on thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, everyone. Welcome back. And now through the magic of post-production, Dave's going to make my voice sound fancy because it's time for News Around the Nerdosphere. Oh, your new laptop can't do that. Damn it. I just am lazy, man. Like, let's be real. Like, (laughs) let's call let's call a spade a spade. Like, I I have this episode recording. It's probably going to record the whole thing. And yet I want to turn it over to the wizardry of David Ungar. Uh, We got a bunch of there was just a bunch of tidbits and some interesting things that came out mostly around film, uh, but some but some streaming series stuff as well that. that I thought was worth talking about. Now I am going to flip around the order a little bit, just because I want. I do have something I want to play, and it excited me, and it segues nicely into the first topic that I want to talk about. Uh, never mind, because the soundbite won't work. We're still going to talk about it. I was so excited to play Bill Murray singing the Star Wars theme song before going into the news that dropped of Obi Wan in the form of a release from from Ewan McGregor. It's getting pushed back. 
release date getting pushed back a few days but there's a there's a silver lining to all this as disney has committed to releasing not one but two episodes on its first release date it's going from a wednesday to a friday ec tony i turn it to you big deal no big deal who cares star wars patrick it's all star wars um thank you yeah, that's a great snl snl moment i appreciate you uh jogging my memory but i don't know i i was thinking about that so much what was the question i was reliving that that skit in my mind <laughs> get, Dude, get ready to sing is there is there any sort of level of a red flag coming from obi-wan being pushed back a couple of days on its release in the streaming services and then what's the, giving us two instead of one? Yeah, what's the red flag? It's they're getting you're getting two. What what could be bad that they don't think this first episode is that good or what? What I mean, I don't I don't see what the big deal is. I don't know. I'm just putting the question out there. Do we care, Mister Aesop? I, I guess my answer is I don't think it's a big deal. It's two Aesop? days. I I don't think we can worry about it two months uh, too much. If it was two a months? week. If it was a week or two weeks, you know, now now there's a little concern. And even then, it wouldn't get me too much uh, because of the fact that I, I think they're just trying to give some more space to Moon Knight, if I had to guess. But, man, I think they'll be fine. It's Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, one of the most beloved characters in the Star Wars universe, I I like to think. I think they're just going to try to pump the promotional material a little bit more and separate it from Moon Knight a little bit. Hey, Sop, you know, there was another beloved character that got his own series from yes. the Star Wars universe. Yes, there was. I, I realized so that. But two it's days great. can't fix that all that much. It's great. We're getting uh, even worse Star Wars now. Dave Ungar. Your thoughts. Uh, my best guess is they're doing some sort of scheduling tweak, minor though it may be that we don't know about, and they wanted to um, cut Obi-Wan down from whatever he was going to run for what? I guess it's another six-episode series, I think is what they're doing. So for some reason, they wanted to cut it from six weeks to five. They're probably doing something with the schedule and, and just playing with it a little bit. I don't think there's anything to worry about because it's like, well, yeah, we pushed it back two days but we gave you an extra episode so and for they, some reason they, they watched digitally, the, I, I think they digitally inserted the mandalorian that's why they pushed it they might have they might have and they and they wanted to you know for some reason they want this stuff coming out on a friday instead of a wednesday i i don't it's just pure speculation as to why i don't think it's anything to worry about i just feel like disney's playing with the schedule something's happening in that time frame where they wanted to tweak this a little bit and and cut obi-wan's run short by a week that's my does best it, guess. Does anybody else feel like Disney misstepped by not releasing this thing on May 4th? Like, is that just me? Yeah. Well, I what yeah. didn't the article say that it was supposed to go along with festivities in California or something? Oh, you're going to make me actually like read my, uh, my so, article again? Am I so the only I, one that I did just, their homework today? Listen, so guys, I, breakfast I, pays homework so on Sunday. Okay. I just looked it up. Um, Miss Marvel comes out on a Wednesday as well. So the idea of uh, it's June 8th. So I, I realize it's right around the same time. But do you really want to release Obi-Wan Kenobi and Miss Marvel on the same day? Nah, that's no, that no is, watch Miss Marvel then. 
Well, I mean, that is the literally the whole reason why they are doing this now. That That is going to be my take. They are trying to take up two days worth of content instead of just having it be on one. And I, I believe Moon Knight is a Wednesday release as well. Yes. So there you, I, there you have it. It has to be just to kind of break it up. Let, let uh, Marvel take Wednesdays. Let Star Wars take Fridays. They look at it and said, hey, well, wait, we're double booked here. <laughs> Let's fix that. Why 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 are you gonna why are you gonna do things like make it make sense? Why can't I have baseless speculation? Baby Yoda. You you heard it here first, baby Yoda appearing next to uh next to young uh Luke Skywalker in in Aunt Baru. She's gonna be shit, sitting on her shoulder like a little green shoulder angel. That's that's how that's how baby Yoda got there. Grogu is one of the Jawas. What are you talking about? Oh, that's true. You know, actually, you know who Grogu is? He's R2-D2. I was going to say, you he's in the R2-D2. <laughs> R2-D2 <laughs> is the most powerful character in all of the Star so Wars. So knew universe. you were going there, man. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. I've made Tony hold his head. So let's change the subject to an article I put out there just because I think I'm the only one who has this level of a soft spot for Jim Henson and the Muppets, but it was also announced and released. Well, you're new. You keep doing this whole finger wag thing. And <laughs> I'm so used to people poo-pooing the things that I loved as a child that it's, it's tough to find a like-minded individual out there. By the way, rewatched Kubo and the two strings this morning, just for fun. It's just a hell of a movie and worth watching. But another announcement that came out of the house of mouse this week is that Ron Howard has been tasked with doc doing a documentary based on the life of one Jim Henson. I love Jim Henson. I have read as many biographies as I can about this man. Um, I think his life is one of the most fascinating ones because of his passion for puppetry and his passion for arguing that it was more than anything, that more than just kid stuff. And I, he's he just struck always struck me as the type of person I wanted to have advocate for people to take cartoon animation more seriously, comic books more seriously as a medium, um, because of the way that he was so pat like the way he was so passionate about but like people talk about him in relation to the Muppets Show and Sesame Street and forget that he got his start killing Kermit the Frog in commercials. Like those were the like Kermit the Frog used to die all the time in coffee commercials. It was hilarious. He loved blowing Kermit up. It was not, and Kermit was originally blue. So even that wasn't quite, you know, what it used to be. But Dave, I'll start with you since Aesop seems to have some good feelings. Thoughts on a Jim Henson documentary, a film documentary. We've seen similar stuff before. You know we're gonna get to see we're gonna go we're gonna watch the funeral scene again with you know big bird leading everybody and it's not easy being green and that sort of thing but your thoughts are you here for a jim henson documentary directed by ron howard of all people well yeah with the ad uh, i mean i mean i i I, look i'm i'm not as big a fan of jim henson as you but i still appreciate his work for sure and and everything that he did and 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 it, it's, you know, when I read the article, I was like, my God, has it really been since 1990 that he's been gone? I mean, that doesn't seem possible, but I guess it's true. Um, and if, if Ron, <laughs> I guess, it's, I guess true. it's true, if Ron Howard is handling this, then it's going to be done really well. I love the statement from 
the uh, Henson family, uh, the you know whatever the foundation that they've got, that they've reposed all their trust in the Jim Henson archives to Ron to do this uh, documentary justice. I mean, he's an iconic personality as far especially as far as kids go my god you know you talk about the muppets and sesame street they don't get more iconic or important to children from you know my era certainly from your era as well than jim henson and if the fact that no really i mean documentaries i'm sure have been done about him stories have been done but nothing that has this stamp of approval with a director of the caliber of ron howard so yeah i'm here for it absolutely tony i'll go i'll go counter crop counterclockwise this time your feelings about a jim henson documentary i know you're 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 a little less on the documentary train than i am uh, well not at all to be honest with you um summer of souls really couple... good, by the way yes did you watch the boeing documentary yet on netflix not yet no that's a good one to catch as well but anyway we talk about universes all the time we talk about the marvel universe we talk about the dc universe we talk about star wars and its universe right and all these other things that we cover and talk about like Dave said, iconic. Two of the most iconic, just in universes created, you know, you have the Muppets and you have Sesame Street. These are gigantic, you know, universes of families of creatures and people being in their places. And it's just, it's brilliant. It's going to be great to see. Like you said, Ron Howard doing it. Is it is it a, a multi-part documentary? Is it a one long thing? You know, I didn't I don't, didn't see that it said. Um, just said that I the way I read it was that it was like one film. I didn't see it okay. as a as a series. I'd love to cover it um, at some point, whether it's here or with somebody else on a on a you know a chair shot radio or whatever. It'd just be an interesting thing to talk about somewhere. Right. Oh, absolutely. I, I think I, honestly, I would do it as a nerd review if it's one movie. Um, but I'd be down for talking about it on the show just because I I like I said to me like. He he was a, a significant part of my childhood, and you guys haven't even talked about the other universe that he created out there that was huge for children for years and years and years on Apple, and is now back on Apple TV Plus, and that's Fraggle Rock. Oh, yeah. Fraggle yeah, Rock, Fraggle is Rock the shit, amazing. Sure. Um, and, and you're also and, missing Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Didn't guys. he see, do? See if, if, Dark if you listen to the first, hold on, yeah, yes, no, yes, he did. He did the Dark Crystal. He did Labyrinth. Uh, he did a series that was on HBO called The Storyteller that retold great. fairy tales and Greek myths. He, I think we talked about uh, that on our HBO review, didn't we? No, we didn't. Um, regret, regrettably. Um, and you mentioned Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. If you listen to the inaugural episode of the 5x5, Five Five, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas is in my is in my five favorites. I... I um, I watch it every year. It's part of the list. I have a huge list of holiday stuff. So, uh, but Dave, you uh, or sorry, Aesop, uh, Dave. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm getting, I'm getting short with you. I don't know. It's, it's I don't know <laughs> new what it technology, is. Technology, man. It's your, it's your face. Yeah. I think it's your face. It's a new technology. Um, <laughs> go ahead, uh, Aesop. Your thoughts on a Jim Henson documentary? To is me, Dave, you're Christian. Dave's your Christian, Patrick O'Dowd. Right there, it is. <laughs> To me, this is progress because one of the things that un unfortunately the Disney company has done since acquiring the Muppets is kind of do them dirty. <laughs> they have not given much love. 
to the Muppet fandom out there. They have put out Subbar Muppet products. And if you are going to go balls to the wall with a Jim Henson documentary directed by Ron Howard, to me, that means they are going to give some love to the Muppets. Finally. Maybe this means we can get the goddamn Muppet show on Disney+. Plus. Why isn't that a thing yet? I don't know. What do you mean? Like a, like a, a new original? No, I'm talking about the old, like everything. It's, a, it's, it's on there. It is? I have not seen it. Oh, absolutely. I have absolutely been, because my son and I, on Friday nights during the pandemic, had sleepover, and we would watch episodes of The Muppet Show. All five seasons All of it on there? Holy shit, how did I miss that? Well, now I know what I'm doing. I watched the Mark Hamill episode with him uh, repeatedly, because that episode is hilarious as it transitions between Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker Throughout the yes. whole episode, and like they're never in the room at the same time. Pigs in space is Classic. is just delightful. Uh, well, even yeah, still, yeah. though, they have de- they have still done the Muppets very dirty their, overall. Their original their original stuff, basically since Muppet Treasure Island, which is you know Muppet Treasure Island is probably the pinnacle of Disney's work with the Muppets that I thought was good. You know, and and Tim Curry helps carry that a lot too as as a. But as what's um. What's the first there. Muppet? Uh, not that first Muppet movie. The the first rebooted Muppet movie with um Jason Siegel and all that. What's is that just called? Well, the yeah, that was yeah, that, that was, was fine good. too. The Muppets, it's not yeah. But like a Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island are two of uh, sort of my all time faves. Uh, for me, so many of his properties, I, I he always took risks and he passed that on to his children. Uh, Brian Henson is not afraid to take risks as well. And I was really sad that Netflix canceled the, uh, the dark crystal series that they, that they greenlit for one season because that first season for people like myself, and I get it. Nobody watched it. That first season is fucking awesome. Age of resistance is so awesome. I watched the hell out of that and still have it in my queue just to rewatch at different times. So yes, very, very excited about this one. Can't wait to to see that get made and look forward to I'm assuming and to seeing it drop on Disney Plus and I think that's the other exciting part is this, this is gonna it's gonna drop on Disney Plus it's not going into theaters it's gonna go straight straight I wonder, to the Disney Plus platform I wonder if they bring in uh, Gonzo's voice actor I know that they had a Dave Gold Dave Gold had a or, major full, falling out with the uh, the Henson uh, State and Disney as well and uh, I so mean did Frank how, Oz. Like you can't you can't do a, yeah. you can't do a Disney or you can't do a Jim Henson documentary without talking about Frank Oz. Like you just can't. Well, I think they kind of didn't, didn't Frank Oz kind of make up a little bit. I know Dave no. Cole is like no, really we actually, bad. We we actually went over like we actually covered an interview that he did about a year or so ago where he was just like they said they were done with me and want nothing to do with me and don't want me involved anymore. Like uh, and if you need and, any and, evidence of that, go and listen to uh or go and watch the fucking. Muppet Haunted Mansion. It has got some of the worst voice acting I have ever heard for the Muppets. It's right. bad. And, and my son, as a fan of the Haunted Mansion, made me watch the crap out of that. So, like, he thinks it's brilliant. But, and that's that's the audience. But, yeah, Frank Oz, because I remember we talked about it. I was like, how how can you take a mind like Frank Oz's and just say, you you don't have anything to offer for what we want to do? It sucked. Um, 
but it, it is what it is. So I'll be interested to see who who actually comes back and talk about. I think Frank Oz will come back and talk to Ron Howard, and maybe that's why they have Ron Howard as the director. It's because they know they need somebody with clout who might be able to mend some fences to at least talk about Jim Henson and celebrate him. At the very least. This is way more than I expected to talk about this topic, guys. So uh, thanks, uh, Aesop. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate you guys. Much love. Did we satisfy your inner child? Are you feeling better now? Fulfilled? See, now now this is why I pick on you now instead of Ray. <laughs> the snark. And now we got... <laughs> We got in. We got invaders on the soundboard. Like, yeah, we got all kinds of dogs and cats living together. Somebody's got to be the deal today. Let's shift gears to. Uh, I just thought it was uh, it was a, a very fair question being asked by my good friends at IO9. Uh, apparently, we're still trying to reboot the crow. Uh, and I guess at this time with Bill Skarsgård, who. If there's a weird actor, I kind of want to play a creepy goth dude risen from the dead to avenge some wrong done to him. Bill Skarsgård makes a lot of sense. But is this a franchise that just should be left alone? It Dave, you're nodding. Outright. Dave, what not you're nodding. Should why why are we trying to go after the crow again? Why That's are we trying exactly to Exactly what but why that Ryan Reynolds gift from Harold and Kumar? But why? That's that's what I keep going back to. It's like Leave it alone. I, I mean, I, is there really that big of a public outcry and a demand for another Crow reboot? Because I, I, I haven't heard it. Have you guys? I haven't heard it. <laughs> I'm just asking the the panel here. Um, I, I don't. I don't see the need for it. There's so many things you could. They reboot everything. I get that, but this is one that just doesn't feel like there's any real momentum behind this. So I don't get it. Aesop looks like he's feeling me on this one. Man, they've done this so many times with properties that just don't need to happen. They did it with Donnie Darko. S. Darko is such trash. Like, and why would you even dare touch the crow? City of Angels was trash. This We don't need anything more from the crow. For the love of God, don't do it. Call it the Raven for all I care. Oh, wait, that was that... Um, John that Cusack was a was John Cusack one. movie. Never mind. You know what I'm saying, though. Just change it up entirely and, you know, still kind of take the same idea. It's not like it's this transcending story, right? And it's kind of a cursed franchise. If you think, didn't Brandon Lee, didn't he die during the filming of this? Brand, Brandon Lee died in filming. Yeah. He was shot by accident. Yeah, um, it, it, it's, it's a franchise with a stigma attached to it that nobody, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, people think of the original one and, and fondly, and that's fine. That's great. I, I I thought it was a fine movie, but it's just one of these franchises that you look at it and say, yeah, there's just a bad stigma attached to this thing. Why are we rebooting? You're not going to get rid of that by rebooting it 10 more times. Well, and it's funny. You mentioned City of Angels. There's at least one more, like a direct-to-video one starring yeah. Kristen Dunst, I think, is in it. Um, Edward Furlong is in one. I mean, so I think there's at least three or four attempts. Salvation? Is that right? Sounds right. Sure. Um, Tony, you going to go see a Crow movie if they release another one? Oh my God, there's four. Did you, did you like the original? Oh, the one with... Um, Brandon Lee. Uh, yeah, that was excellent. I thought that was really well done. I don't think there was a really need for, you know, 
Are, are they telling the same story again? Or are they telling a different part of the story that we haven't heard before? I mean, where is it? I mean, I don't know. I'm still hoping we get Police Academy 17. You know what? I hear that the Goot is not doing anything and should come back and bring back Mahoney. I saw the Goot as a judge on Holy Moly, ABC's um, miniature nice. golf game was on there. Yes. That's, that's, let's hear it for the Goot. All I've right. Michael Winslow a fair amount of times. Oh, congratulations. Um, Does he make all the sounds to... all the time? No, and yes. if you try to do sound effects in front of him, he will threaten to punch you in the face. <laughs> you <laughs> oh, sound like you wants... speak from experience there, dude. Everybody wants him to rate theirs, right? Look, I won't say it's my experience, but I have witnessed this many times. Um, he, he's actually uh, the comedy club that I work for. He's good friends with a guy that works down there. So when he's ever like close or in town, they'll just come down for a drink. And, um, you know, the I'm number sure of people that recognize him is like, hey, do the gunshots. And he goes, Pff. he gets all like deep. <laughs> awesome. That's hilarious. Uh, I, I prefer his Spaceballs work myself, so... Oh, bleeps and sweeps right. and the creeps. That's right. Speaking of creeps, the the Morbius movie came out, and uh, the reviews were... Um, how, how do we say this? Uh, Tepid is not, not the good, good. word. <laughs> not, not good. Appar- apparently, this movie is not good, which... Honestly, was anybody on this show surprised that it would one be reviewed poorly? But the the memes are are strong with this one. Uh, when it comes to Jared Leto and apparently being in both worst DC and Marvel movies, here's my thing that really drives me crazy. Please, can we give Sony credit for fucking this up? Because we're not. Why they want like, to take credit every- for No Way Home? Give them credit for this shit too. No, no, no. That's the thing is they're not, though. Like, if you read headlines, the headlines are like, Marvel screwed up. No, Marvel did not screw up. Sony screwed up because they've proven that they cannot do this. And I don't really want to talk about the movie itself so much as I want to talk about the problematic information that came from the post credit scenes. So... Here's your spoiler alert, everyone, if you're planning to see Morbius, and God help you if you are. We're (laughs) going to talk about the two post-credit sequences that took place, because they involve what I love to describe as one of the great bait-and-switches in in trailer work that they've done in a long time on Sony, as both of them involve one Mr. Michael Keaton, who was shown in the trailers and kind of implied as being in the movie more itself. He's not. He's in the after credit scene. The first after credit scene apparently is him being brought in to the Morbius MCU or Sony-verse. Uh, Venomverse. In Venomverse. Yes, right the there. Venomverse. Whatever the hell, the hell you want to call it. <laughs> being brought in and being like, where am I? The best part about this, and I haven't actually watched this. I've only got this based on reports. But apparently, he just like is like, what am I doing here? Oh, I'm in another universe. I'm okay with this. Like, does he give a shit about the family he left behind? Like, that was the whole thing in Homecoming. So that's that's number one. And then number two is him being released from prison and meeting up with Michael Morbius in full vulture gear and talking about, I think it's Spider-Man's fault. 
So, the fuck? You, you, Spider-Man hasn't shown up in this universe at all. And he, I mean, we know that there's posters about him and stuff. But I do think it answers the question, which Spider-Verse did he show up in? So, before we get into that question, how dumb was this? You're not digging deep enough into that article <laughs> that, that, that you got this from. io9 really did a good job of just... Put, oh, I'm pulling, just, it. just plucking all the stuff that doesn't make a fucking bit of sense about this, you know. And I love the part where they said that in No Way Home, everybody who knew Peter was Spider Man got pulled into that multiversal convergence, except Vulture. He went to the Venomverse instead. That makes no sense. None of this shit because makes reasons. Any- yeah reasons is sony's like well we can't fuck everything up can we that's the good reason but uh hold my beer yeah hold my beer we're gonna work none none of it none of it makes any sense And, and i mean you know they seem to be like the article was talking about trying loosely to come up with a sinister six variation which i think we know i know we talked about that last week pat about a sinister six movie and and they seem to be moving or trying to move in that direction Uh, by the way not to toot my own horn toot toot but the little newspaper that shows up there guess who's mentioned Mm -hmm. chameleon the chameleon guess who talked about the chameleon last week oh it was this guy i will say this though as bad as this movie's reviews are its box office numbers aren't that bad and when you look at what they're doing because it's the property they're selling it off the property you well, like, there's a bunch of people who think it's an MCU movie and are showing up and like, what the fuck? That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what Sony wants is they want that. that it's the rub, right? It's the rub of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Dave, you're holding your head in your hands. You've been shaking your, your head. Personally. I mean, Tony got up to grab a snack. He cares so little. It's like a beef stick of some sort. Um, look at him. You really know how to bite a stick, huh, man? <laughs> Make sure you work the shaft. Anyway, go ahead, Dave. I do not understand the infatuation with this Venom verse. I, I know we want to talk about the post-credit scene, but I have to talk about the greater picture altogether. First of all, can we all agree that both Venom movies are bad? They are bad, outright bad. Specifically, but, but here's a, let there be cards. Here's the thing, though. Horrid. I had fun watching them, though. I, I, I you know what? I, I had a good time the, watching them. I enjoyed the first one. I liked the buddy cop aspect that was going on until they completely ruined it by acknowledging uh, Venom as a loser. Literally, the in those exact words, I am a loser. On my planet, I am a loser. Well, guess what? Now I don't care about you. And ever since that, like any type of hope they have had has plummeted for me. And I get it. I understand that you want to kind of develop this universe. Why the hell are you picking Morbius? Morbius is not, is not made for a movie. It's just not. And I'm going to see this movie eventually. Sure. Maybe I'll wait for a $5 Tuesday over here or some shit like that. Uh, you That's know, five more like, dollars that I'm willing to spend on that movie, man. Uh, I can't do it. I I'll sneak it. in. I really don't care, but nefarious means is, perhaps. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, I, I don't, I don't get why you would even attempt to go this route. And now the, I, the only thing that is running through my head is we had such a renaissance for Andrew Garfield 
And then they talked about bringing back Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. You are going to fuck up Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man again. And I am going to be so effing mad about it. And thank you for segueing into the question that I was going to ask. To me, it is clear as day that this is the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man universe. Because the big hang-up that our good friends at Gizmodo had over the second post credit scenes is where the fuck did he get the Vulture equipment? Go back to The Amazing Spider-Man 2. It's there in the lab. Now, it's not the same Vulture equipment they're hoping you forget. But it's there in the lab. It's it's fucking... It's, it's Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. So, Dave, I'm sorry, man. I think you're right. I think we are getting a new Amazing Spider-Man versus a Sp- Sinister Six. And my Why, heart breaks. Why? Because, we just because they established know, the story. Because... Because they know people like me and you that love the idea of a Sinister Six Spider-Man movie from the second a Spider-Man film has been brought to bear. The question has been asked. Whether you agree or not, you can't deny that the question wasn't immediately asked. When will we get a Sinister Six movie? We're good. We got to get he's got to fight this. He's got to battle the Sinister Six. It's an iconic story in the history of comics not just spider-man but in in comics and sony knows this they know they can bank on it they want to try and cash in on it so they're going to insist upon doing it even if they know they're going to make a shitty movie like it's just what's going to happen man let me answer your um all right let me respond to your statement with a another question how bad are they going to fuck up Craven the Hunter? Oh, it's going to be horrible, and I'm going to hate it, because as, as everybody on this podcast knows, that character is central to my all-time favorite Spider-Man story. And I I <sighs> read it. I mean, for the second they cast Taylor What's-His-Nuts, I've Aaron not Taylor been Johnson, on board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I like him. I can live with it. It's No, no, I like him as an actor. He's just as Greg would say, he wasn't on my playlist as the who to play him. Like he was not who I wanted to play him. I, Tom I argued Selleck. that Tom Selleck, everyone. Yes, totally Tom Selleck with the with the mustache. I argued it should have been Roman Reigns, like or somebody like uh, with a look like Roman Reigns. If he if Jason Momoa was an Aquaman, hire Jason Momoa to be Craven the Hawk, Craven the Hunter. Drew, those those were that was Drew that was McIntyre, man. No, thank you. Fuck that dude. <laughs> too, too tall. I got to make a request, a and I'm sure this is a scotch talking, Pat, but can you please refer to Aesop by his stage name? Because you're calling him Dave, and I'm confused. Like, which one is it, which one of us is he talking it's to? Not, it's not my fault that you're all befuddled and old. It's not my problem here, sir. Like, here, this is for you. Stick to the script, man. We're, who, so uh, like we're scripted. Who are we? No, who are we getting with Craven as well? Because you know they're going to try to throw one more either villain or major Black character. Cat. It's Black Cat. You got to look at that newspaper thing. Black Cat's listening to that newspaper thing. Rhino's mooching back in that newspaper thing. Chameleons, listen. It's all there. Their plan is there. It's a shitty plan. Do we? Do we get Paul Giamatti sad. and the Robo Rhino again? God, please, please. Um, you, you know think, what? You know what? Think, I no. You know what? All bullshitting aside, Pat, do you think they're gonna do 
Craven's last hunt as far as bringing him in and try and wedge that story in somewhere. You can't you can't do you can't do Craven's last hunt until you have Craven introduces a character. Like you can't you can't introduce him with Craven's last hunt. Talking Sony, like, they no. may try something stupid like that. They they might they may it'll it'll go terribly when they do if they do. Um, but the whole point of it is is that Spider Man has eluded him for so long that he's become obsessed with proving that he can do it better. You can't. You can't tell that in a movie. You just in one movie as an introduction to the fucking character. Like, God, no, please, no. If I could be Michael Scott from The Office right now, no. And it's no. unfortunate that Disney doesn't have the rights to Spider-Man because that would be an excellent Disney Plus series. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be all for that. All right, I can't do this anymore. We're going to take another commercial break and cleanse the palate and finish up with a, a longer piece for, for news around the Nerdosphere. Before we get to our recorded commercials, it is my duty to remind you all that if you like listening to me call Dave and Dave by their, their given names and not you know their stage names, if you like listening to me ask PC Tony's opinions on things that he, he really could kind of care about, like you know Crow movies, if you love what we do here on Band- Bandwagon Nerds. If you love what we do on the ChairShot Radio Network and at thechairshot.com, then head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot and invest in one of our many great t-shirt designs. We have everything from logos to shirts that are that are from our show. Bandwagon Nerds itself has a show to sayings from our various programs. All of them are there. They're reasonably priced at $19.99, but if you're feeling fancy you want to spend a few dollars more, get it soft style. Feel nice on your giblets. Your body will thank you. Your epidermis will thank you, as PC Tony would say. Again, we like putting out quality content every day of the week. We do that for you, and we can't do that without your help. And the best way to help us do that is to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in a shirt. When we come back, some sad news from the Nerdosphere to cover as we wrap up the show here. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network here on thechairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com All right. Welcome back, everyone. As I mentioned going into the break, we are going to talk about a sad bit of news that came out of the Nerdosphere. Actually, just came out of the entertainment industry shortly after the Oscars, the day after the Oscars had aired, and all the the business around Will Smith and whatnot, that, that noise is going on. An article was released and an announcement from the family of Bruce Willis uh, sharing that he is retiring from acting uh, due to his ongoing battle with aphasia, which is a cognitive disorder that causes people to lose the ability to understand speech as well as to speak themselves. Before we kind of get into some of the implications and just the article itself, what's around the room, your favorite Bruce Willis acting moment, whether it's from television or film, 
I'll limit you to three if there's too many to go to, to rattle off. But we'll start with Tony because you're usually quicker on the draw with coming up with some favorites. So some of your favorite Bruce Willis uh, moments. Don't, don't forget his start on TV with Sybil Shepard and Moonlighting. Um, Die Hard, obviously. Um, you know, we mentioned, I think it was The Whole Nine Yards was a comedy movie he did. Um, yeah, one of my did, favorites. Was he, was he in Red? with uh, all those people at the end of his career there or no, that wasn't him. I don't know if I he can't. was in red, but he was in the expendables. One of the expendables movies. He was definitely, I mean, he's an iconic actor for, for his time period. And I mean, the diehard franchise alone, you know, the character of what John, John McClane, right? Yep. So you be Kaye motherfuckers. Absolutely. David Ungar. What about you? Yeah, I was going to say Yippie Kaye, motherfucker, is the one moment. The Die Hard franchise, um, The Sixth Sense, the job that he did in The Sixth Sense and keeping you Sixth guessing sense, yes. right up to the yes. end. And and uh, unsung moment for him that uh, that kind of flies under the radar, the voice of the baby in Look Who's Talking. I thought he was excellent in that. Yes, great ball. And that whole thing. So, um, yeah, those uh, he's he's yeah, great action hero. But more than that, you know, a pretty damn good actor in his own right. So, right. Other uh, favorite favorite things, uh, favorite Bruce Willis memories, acting roles. Aesop. Uh, well, first I have to mention Chris Tucker's best film he's ever done, and that's The Fifth Element. So good, <laughs> love him in The Fifth Element. Poor Pat. <laughs> Uh, but also Bruce Willis playing uh, Captain Sharp in Moonrise Kingdom, uh, the Wes Anderson film, is also a very memorable character. I was trying not to jump off of everyone else's stuff, but those are very fun uh, little bits, too. Uh, you mentioned an M. Night Shyamalan movie, Dave, but you didn't mention my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie with Bruce Willis, and that's Unbreakable. I love Unbreakable, and he is... He carries that film, obviously, as one of the two main characters, him and Samuel L. Jackson. You know, the the re or not the remake, the the sequel, uh, less so, but still, I, I was still pretty good, uh, despite the the ending, which is a little meh. But Twelve uh, Monkeys too is another great one. For Twelve Monkeys, Twelve Monkeys, an iconic role as well. Uh, also, it's funny he did a guest spot on Friends for a while where he was the father of Ross's girlfriend and dating Rachel at the same time. And he just, you know, it just seemed like no matter what he did, what role he jumped into, he was going to embrace it full on even Hudson Hawk and even Hudson Hawk, not a good movie. I'm sorry. Death Death becomes her the last boy scout fiction Armageddon. Armageddon, ain't life that. a bitch? By the way, last Boy Scout, that that the, that movie pulled it right away. He also did the kid. Yep. Yeah, he was. He yeah, he's yo. Know, I don't even know how long he's what thirty some years, forty, fifty some years. Here's what I found really interesting, and, and what I I think is tough now is that we're st- we're seeing the reports of just how long he's been battling this and still trying to work and do movies and that it makes a lot of sense. It'd been a significant challenge to film with him in recent memory in recent years because he couldn't do it. Um, I have a friend who reviews movies. He's a movie critic 
And he talks about some of his, you know, more recent films that were kind of clunkers and that, you know, it answered a lot of questions as to why films were cut a particular way with him and, and that it wasn't always shots from the front uh, that, that in later movies, they wouldn't let him handle prop weapons because he was firing them off cue and it was just, it was, it was too risky to do it. So the other part of this is that it, it, you know, it's such a heartbreaking story to, to really follow and, and to see as well, because yeah, like he, he, you, you never, it's like anything else. We, you, you're never ready to go when, when really it's time to go. Dave, you are uh, Aesop. Sorry, Dave. Aesop, you had a, a hand up. Yeah. I, I hate to kind of jump on the negative a little bit, um, but aphasia is usually a symptom of something greater. And I, I hope that they kind of know what's going on. They can give him the best treatment to that as well. You know, I wish nothing but the best for Bruce Willis. Um, I, I, but, you know, I, I hate to kind of lay it out there. Uh, just aphasia is usually just something that adds on to something much bigger. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just hope that he gets the treatment that he needs and he can kind of enjoy retirement you know, going forward, because it's it's got to be brutal for him even now. Right. Well, and his family, too. Right. Like, yeah, like like to, to imagine that they've been keeping this secret for for as long as they have. Um, yeah, just wow. Like, it's kind of crazy. Um, great. Great job for keeping it a secret, you know. Normally, right, there's, there's some jackass doctor or, you know, nurse assistant that would have leaked this, you know, five well, years ago. Can we talk about how that's really been a shift in Hollywood now when you think about some of the like some of that private life stuff really is kept pretty darn private. And like I think about Gene Wilder passed away. Nobody knew. He was, Norm MacDonald passed away. Nobody knew. Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman. Nobody knew he was sick. And and the thing with Chadwick Boseman is people speculated the crap out of him being like disinterested, like because we didn't know. And he and and but folks have really, I I really think that there has been something in Hollywood circles, at least from what we've seen, where there's there's been a, a shift in being you know mindful of their privacy and their health go ahead tony i think kevin hart made a comment about he had either negatively reviewed or commented about how you know his work was or why it was the way it was and found out about this and he even came out and was like i feel horrible i feel like a dick you know because people didn't know this was going on people had no idea the razzies the razzies uh first of all they they made a joke when the news came out which was in terrible taste. And I get the Razzies are in poor taste as it is in general, but they, they made a joke about, well, maybe this is why his performance was so bad in this movie before turning around and being like, look, we, we don't, we recognize that Bruce's performance in this film was due to this and not something else. And so, you know, they walked back on, on their statements because we, we don't know. And we didn't know. And so, and, and I even, even now, like I was looking um, just to go back to the Oscars, you know, I didn't know, like I knew Liza Minnelli wasn't well. I didn't know she wasn't like that. She was that far gone. 
uh, until she came out on stage. And, and, you know, kudos to Lady Gaga. I know a lot of people complimented her with, you know, just allowing her to, like, allowing Liza Minnelli to keep her dignity uh, while being out there to present. Because you can tell, like, the, she's she's not well. And uh, it's the same. Like, I hope that this is a trend that continues uh, with celebrity because I think it is easy to forget that these are human beings. Um, and this, this is just a reminder and we're not, you're right. Uh, it, it really does mean that our time with Bruce Willis on this planet is, I mean, it's always limited, but the finish line is coming. All right. Seeing silence on that. Dave, you got something? Go ahead. No, no, I I just agreeing with you. I mean, like Aesop's saying, it, it's usually a precursor to progressive dementia in a lot of situations, and we know where that where that leads. So yeah, it's it's um heartbreaking was the best word you guys could have used to describe the situation. So from the bandwagon, I'm sure they're not listening, but anyway, our heartfelt best wishes to their family, their friends, everybody that's close to, and to Bruce Willis. Uh as there is a hell of a fight in front of them uh, left to go. Don't want to end the show on a somber note. There's no easy way to transition into into something else. So I'm just going to move forward with doing it because that's the easy way to move forward. Everyone knows that this is a podcast that is part of a, an entertainment podcasting network that does sports entertainment and sports entertainment. This is the biggest weekend as we record here on Sunday in all of sports entertainment, WrestleMania. We're recording on a Sunday prior to night two of WrestleMania, but night one has happened. The Hall of Fame has happened. If you listen to Chair Shot Radio with Dave and I this week, you'll get our thoughts on the Hall of Fame ceremony. I thought that was a really good episode for the two of us where we talk about the different inductees and what we thought of the ceremony. But night one has happened reflections on night one of wrestlemania thoughts highlights what do we want to talk about tony i know you loved the main event you were so thrilled with the way that went down the main event was excellent uh ronda and charlotte did a great job oh Um, look at it (laughs) uh bianca and uh, becky had the best match of the night in my opinion Uh, i really enjoyed that one um that wasn't a match. Guys, they can call it a match and they can make it official with Steve Austin, but that wasn't a match. And you know what? <laughs> Austin only said he would come back and do a match if he was going to be able to do what he used to be able to do. And boy, let me tell you, he could barely puck and pick his legs up to stomp the guy in the goddamn corner. It was kind of sad. The favorite part of the match for me was he had lost a strap on his fucking knee guard before anything had even started happening. And I'm like, Oh, that's what I remember. Mostly is him fucking with his fucking knee straps all the time, but great to see him. Great. First night. It's all wrestling. I love it. Um, told you the Usos would retain. I told you Charlotte would retain. I told you Logan Paul and Miz would be set up for a match in the future. So I gave you all of that. Let's hope that, uh, rock, uh, pays off, uh, what I've been predicting for a year and a half tonight. Well, by the time this airs, we will know. Aesop, your thoughts about WrestleMania night one. Uh, go. Uh, man, it really didn't seem like too many people cared all that much about Cody coming back. <laughs> that was my first thought. Uh, and then just altogether, I have to give major props to what Logan Paul did. He looked good in a ring, man. He looked good in like gear. A professional wrestler. 
you know what? We can say uh, all that you want about him as a person, but as a personality, that dude is top notch. And he showed it in the ring yesterday. Not to mention getting a win. Holy shit. Wow. I was shocked there. Mr. Ongard, to you. Oh, I mean, not much to add that the guys haven't talked about. I thought, you know, yeah, the worst kept secret in wrestling. And we've, we've messed around about it on this show. The Cody coming back, that was cool. Um, expected. I thought him and Seth put on a hell of a show. That was a really good match. Um, I, I like how me, Tony, DP, AJ decided to buck the trend where everybody in the world was picking Bianca and we all went Becky and we all came up wrong on that one. But, you know, we had good reasons for that. And that was that was a hell of a match. And I'm sorry. Except for the best reason that, that the WWE never does that. But okay. Yeah. And um, sorry, I can help. <laughs> never does what? What are we talking about? Finish a fucking story. Oh, like, they that, always that. finish a fucking story. <laughs> WrestleMania. Finish the story of WrestleMania. Come on now. Yeah, stories into stories into more stories. And uh, yeah, I, I got to right. I got to kind of agree with uh, what Greg was saying to Tony in the private chat. There was a one, two, three count. It counts as a match. <laughs> Sorry, PC. That's a match. Oh, um, the controversy of it all. <laughs> but I mean, it, it was it's just cool seeing Austin in that capacity. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not what he was 19 years ago. And that's OK. So it was just it was lots of really high water moments. Um I, I really did you let me ask you this. Did you guys know they were doing both women's title matches on one day? Because I thought they were splitting that up. No, that had been announced a long time okay. ago. Like that, that had been on there. Um uh, I think surprising. it's the same titles to Matt uh tonight. Right. Yeah, yeah, they they shifted um so it has been announced, by the way. Uh it has been announced that the New Day match uh will be will will happen today. Okay. Now whether it happens on the the kickoff or is actually Part of the quote unquote WrestleMania, who knows? Probably probably in the kickoff, it would make sense. So there there was no matches on the kickoff yesterday. It was two hours of just right. hype and BS. Um right. a lot of these things happened on some of the matches and Smackdown. things happened on SmackDown, yeah. which is WrestleMania SmackDown. Yeah. And it's the night after WrestleMania Raw, and then it's, you know, WrestleMania Backlash, and then it's WrestleMania Money in the Bank. And oh yeah. The WrestleMania is like a twelve month thing. I, I love Cody's interview so, with um who do it Mackenzie Mitchell I think he they did some backstage right. thing I thought that was really good and gave some insight. So do I get to situation. talk about? Do no. I get to answer the question now too? No, no, you can't answer your no. own questions. What the fuck? I don't get to talk. <laughs> I don't get to talk about my highlight. I really liked the reception that Cody got when he like came out. I thought that was a good response. Uh, I do think that the match itself. Like the crowd kind of went down a little bit. I also think that WrestleMania, even on two nights, is too fucking long. It's just like that is a draining experience. And, you know, and folks who have attended, you know, like that's a long experience, even if you just go for one night, let alone both. Uh, Tonight, as as we head into this, I can't wait for Edge and AJ. That's all I want to watch. Like that's the match that to me, has has my interest like and i i just hope edge can can bring it like i hope that 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 the two of them can put on the match that they want to put on because i think it'd be amazing all right uh, give that's a, what I'm very excited for give, give a predictive uh five-star review on Sami Zayn and johnny knoxville why is everybody so mad about this like i don't get it like that's a 
fun story, and it's totally WrestleMania. I, I'm not. I'm not mad great. at it. I'm not Sammy's mad at gonna, it. Sammy's gonna look at the lights, and it's gonna be fun and harmless, and Sammy's gonna be happy to do it because he's making good money and he's having a good time, dude. If you watch him walking around fucking Tennessee, I'm sorry, he was having a blast with this story. Yeah, I think he's Knoxville's gonna take a major bump and end up jobbing. Maybe he does. I, I, maybe I, he does. What are you thinking? Three stars? Three and a half stars? Do you get more than that? No, I don't do star ratings because Dave Meltzer is stupid forever creating it. Anyway, <laughs> it's either you enjoyed the match or you didn't enjoy the match. Fuck it. Who gives a but shit he whether we'll give a movie thing. a 3.34 rating instead of, you know. Well, movie three. reviews are important. And I have to do that because <laughs> I write it down and people need something. So, all right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds as we are coming up on a hour and a half because we are getting this shit tight for the eventuality of having to see dave's ugly face on a stream at some point i'm warning y'all you might want to blur him he knows <laughs> look at him he's all tight like... <laughs> anyway like doing video of this thing is that where we're heading someday one day it's gonna be there. that's i can't wait to so i'll start really going with the rotating backgrounds so i'm gonna try and try and get this thing working you know, in a way that's awesome. But before we head out, uh, let's go once around. Tell everybody where they can find you on the Chair Shot Radio Network. And let's start with the ugliest man on the bandwagon, David Ungar. Go. Oh, I mean the lawyer, David Ungar. Just rough, man. I, Tony, Tony's offended by all this shit. I can tell. My, be- <laughs> my, be- my bestie's upset by all this abuse. Dave, Dave wants to know when Ray's coming back, so he stops getting back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm the one in charge of post production, so I mean, it can get really ugly from here. But you know, it could, it could get dangerous. It, it could. could. You can find me on Twitter at attitude ag. That is at attitude agg, and on Facebook.com/slash attitude of aggression. Make sure you do check out the one and only PC Tunney and myself talking WrestleMania three and Survivor Series '87. Uh, that was a fun time. So yeah, check that episode out. Also available on thechairshot.com. For what it's worth, I know I'm going to get mine next week because I'm not here for the show next week. So I know what's going to happen in the absence of one Patrick O'Dowd because I've listened to the replays. Tony, tell everybody where they can find you on the Chairshot Radio Network. You can follow me at PC Tony on Twitter and Facebook. Please check out everything Chairshot Radio Network on all of your favorite streaming platforms and at thechairshot.com. He's up. Well, uh, Dave, you know why Patrick keeps calling me Dave. I think he's looking to kind of push you out a little bit, but <laughs> as a secondary one, I, I, I can I can retire. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> I can retire. I got, I'm I old enough almost. I can make to it retire. happen now. Yeah, uh, I'm you not saying. Find, I'm just saying. You can find me on uh, Twitter. I have two accounts because I'm fancy at Violent Aesop. Uh, also at Dave and Cudahy. Also, listen to myself and my brother, Tom. We do Down the Wire every Monday and post it every Tuesday only on the chair shot. And by only, I mean also everywhere else. Whores. Fucking whores. One and only mean one and only? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's it. You can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch me every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the Chairshot Radio Network. Every Monday here on Bandwagon Nerds. Every Tuesday with David Ungar. Usually doing hockey talk. This week we talk WWE Hall of Fame. And on Wednesdays, 
Talking Wrestling with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales on the Greg DeMarco Show. Be sure to also follow the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account at Bandwagon Nerds. Always trying to pump out some good content and polls here and there to keep everyone engaged. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and watch some Bruce Willis flicks. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. And 5x5 five five is a name for simpletons. Too late. I'd already stopped it. Damn it. <laughs> I don't but know I, if Dave But I didn't. It. I hadn't. Yeah, throw that on the end, Dave. <laughs> All that abuse you took this week. <laughs> Call me John. Jesus. Well, this time John Wayne does not walk off into the sunset with Grace Kelly. Scary Cooper, asshole. Yippee Kaye. Happy trails, Hans. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.